Well, Merry Christmas to you. You can go ahead and find a seat after you've had a chance to say hi to someone. So glad that you're here tonight. We love our special services that we get to gather uh, in this way, and uh, it, is, it is fun to, uh, to be together. And I love Christmas. I love uh, everything about it. I'm a huge, huge fan of, of, of gathering together. I love having the kids in here. So kids, I'm so glad that you're here tonight. We um, love having you in what we affectionately call Big Church. So, uh, so glad that you are uh, here tonight. You know, I was wondering, uh, as, as kind of getting ready for, uh, for Christmas, if there was going to be a lot of people on the roads or traveling. You know, we haven't, we've been kind of limited in, in sort of how much we could do or what that looked like the last couple of years. And so um, I figured that it was going to be a little bit extra on the travel side uh, this year. So, but I was curious. And so I uh, did some research and I don't know how they come up with this estimate, but AAA estimates that this year, uh, 113 million Americans are going to be traveling this year for Christmas. Um, that is, uh, uh, and that's like over 50 miles is what they say. And so uh, given the storms that we've had across like the entire country, that means that there's 110 million grumpy travelers out there, right, that, that had to brave the storm or, or you know, manage delayed flights or canceled flights or all of that. Uh, but some of you, you traveled to get here. Uh, you don't live here. You're, you're visiting someone here, and so you're here tonight, and you traveled from a ways. Others of you are going to get in a car tomorrow or the next day, and, and you're going to travel uh, from here to go and see others. Why do we travel uh, to see loved ones? Like, what's so uh, important? about that, especially right now, right? We have the technology to see each other. We can even put the face up on the big screen in the living room if we wanted to, right? So we can, we can see each other, we can hear each other, but yet we still travel. And I think we all understand and know it's not the same, right? Like especially at Christmas or other special times, we desire to be with each other. We wanna be in proximity, we wanna be close, we wanna hug, we wanna laugh, we wanna experience a meal together, we wanna sit around and, and chat, we want to enjoy each other's presence and company. And being in each other's presence is something that is very special. I think that's also one of the reasons that can make holidays so hard. Some of us, uh, this is a difficult holiday. Uh, maybe this year it's a harder one than years in the past. Uh, there's things that prevent us from being able to travel. Sometimes it's, it is sickness or it is an unexpected uh, little event that might happen and, and prevents us from being able to travel. Others of us, we have loved ones that are spread apart. And so we gotta make that choice. Every year we look, okay, who are we gonna be with and who are we not going to be with? We can't be in more than one place at a time. Others of us are probably have experienced a loss in this past year, and this is the first Christmas without the person that we love. See, that's what makes it so hard is because we desire to be together. We want to be with each other, especially, especially at Christmas. And we feel it most in these special times. Well, my family, uh, we uh, tend to stay around for most of the holidays now. And uh, some of you have kind of asked, well, how do you get to that program? Like uh, they look at us and they're like, you guys aren't traveling. 
I want that. How do, how do you guys get to stay, stay put? Because we have to travel. How do you get people to come uh, to you? And to that I say, well, I think you just need to have more kids, okay? Because we have, we have five, and so our, our family, five kids, and so our family of seven now, um, it, it gets a lot more expensive on the airlines, a lot more kind of, you know, like hotel rooms. Um, uh, we're getting to that place where we still try and cram in one, but my kids now hate hotels because they're like, Dad, when we go to a hotel, I have to sleep on the floor. And we're like, well, that's just kind of how it works, okay? We're trying to we try and cram in as much as we can and, and do all of that. But, but the, the reality is, is that uh, we have done our share of traveling. Uh, when we lived in North Carolina, um, we used to do that 15-hour drive from North Carolina up here to Wisconsin to visit family. And uh, I'm just telling you, I do not miss uh, those days. And so you can either uh, have more kids or have a job that keeps you here for the holidays. That's the, other, that's the other trick. So our, our family came to us this year. We have uh, Bree's parents with us and we're excited to you know, just hunker down here. They're from Dallas, so they're kind of in a bit of shock. If they don't have to go out, they're okay. But they love sitting inside, watching the snow, all of that, just being here uh, together. But as a kid, I did travel. And uh, we always went to grandma and grandpa's. One of, one of the grandma and grandpa's got a visit around the holidays. And I loved being together uh, with the cousins uh, I loved laughing at my aunts and uncles and seeing um, just their quirkiness and everything, kind of watching the family dynamics. I love traveling and getting to, to visit and go to a new place at Christmas. And I think here's the thing, is that we were meant, we're sort of hardwired to want to be near with one another. There's something inside of us that really desires that. There's this, this nearness that is, is yearned after. It's, it's appreciated. It, 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 it matters when we get to draw near to each other. And I think the reason is, is because it was, uh, it was given to us, it was hardwired into us from our heavenly father. So you see, he created us to be in relationship. He created us to be near, uh, not just with each other, but he designed and, and, and desired for us to be near him and in relationship with him. Our heavenly father loves us and he wants to be close to us. And scripture teaches that we have been separated from him, that there's a, a gap between us. It's the choices that we have made, the things that we have done have broken that relationship. And so there was this broken relationship. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced a broken relationship where that has kept you apart? And it hurts, it's hard to, uh, because of uh, unresolved conflict, or words that have not been communicated to be separated. God was separated from us by our choosing our actions, but he wanted to be near us. We already read from Isaiah the prophecy that he would be called, Jesus would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. God's nearness is what we are focusing on tonight. God with us. There's a verse that I wanna kind of center our time around tonight. And it speaks about what Christ brought at Christmas. And it comes from prophecy in the Old Testament. It's from uh, the book of Zephaniah. And uh, I'm just gonna put it on the screen and you can see it. I, wanna, I want us to think about this verse tonight. This uh, short passage here in verse 17, it says this, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. 
You see, this verse here comes from, this is prophecy. Uh, it was spoken by the prophet Isaiah or Zephaniah. And he was uh, writing to the Israelite people. Specifically, he was writing to the tribe of Judah. Uh, Judah was the southernmost um, part of Israel and it was where Jerusalem was. And so these are God's people and, and they're in a particular time in history. You see, because of the choices they made, God uh, allowed the, the people of Israel to be exiled and uh, foreign nations came in and took over their land and, and took many of the people away. But there was a remnant that was left there in Judah. Zephaniah specifically is writing to that remnant, the people of God there in God's city who are left in this place of exile. And you want to picture a time of just great sadness and sorrow. And the letter of Zephaniah, I don't um, encourage you to go home and read the rest of it tonight before you go to bed and try and you know, use that to sort of set the Christmas mood. It's actually a very sad book. I mean, the three chapters, just three short chapters, most of it is full of sadness, sorrow, because it speaks of the destruction, the punishment, the judgment upon God's people for their continual unfaithfulness before God. And so because of that, he wanted to discipline and to correct his children and allowed for this to happen, but it wasn't something that was going to last forever. And so Zephaniah, speaking into the sorrow, speaking into the judgment that they were experiencing, he brings and shows the hope that God was going to bring. And so understanding that and knowing that, we can read these words again. It says, the Lord, your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. That first line there, the Lord your God is in your midst, was an incredible promise to his people. Again, despite the unfaithfulness of the people, God was faithful to them. And he was reminding them that though it may be felt that he was far, he was not going to remain far forever, nor actually was he ever far. He was always near. But he was going to work in a specific and intentional and loving way toward the people. He was going to draw near and come near to the people. And he did. He restored the people of God back to the land which they had been promised, back to the land in which they lived. And so Israel uh, made their way back to their homeland, to the city of Jerusalem, to the area of Judea, and they began to reside there again. And many people wondered, was that it? Was that the fulfilled prophecy that was coming? Yet it seemed that there was more what about this mighty one who was going to save because it was a fragment of what it had been before. And so there was this anticipation, this longing, this looking forward to the Messiah who was prophesied yet to come and to set things right. And that is where Jesus steps in. Jesus was the Messiah, the savior that was promised to his people. And he came down. You see, Jesus was not just anyone. He was the very son of God, he was God. He's uh, fully God, fully man, lived and dwelled among us. He was born as a baby. So he had the same uh, sort of birth that all of us do, although we know some of the unique things around his birth, right? There wasn't fanfare. There wasn't uh, a clean hospital. He was born in the company of, of, of animals and, and uh, on the outskirts of town because of the situation that resulted. They were not in their hometown. They had to travel, and that just was where, where they needed to be. And so that was the place 
in which Jesus was born. But in that act, he was drawing, God was drawing near to his people. And this is the expression, the way that God made himself known to us. You see, Hebrews chapter one begins this way. It says, long ago at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophet. So like Zephaniah or Isaiah or others. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. You see, all of the prophets were looking forward to and pointing to the time when the Messiah was going to come. And this was the word that God had spoken was through his son, Jesus Christ. John says it this way in, in verses one, uh, or 114. He says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory of the only, as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And so if you wanna know what God looks like, if you wanna know the nearness of God, then you have but to look at the Son, Jesus Christ. And again, the words recorded by Matthew, or repeated that were spoken by Isaiah, were recorded by Matthew, and he says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So again, back to Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 17. The Lord your God, he is in your midst. Listen, church, we need to remember this Christmas that God is very near to us. As much as you long to be near to those that you love, God longs to be near to you. He made every effort. He did everything he could, everything he needed to do to draw near to you. And he did it in a time when we were far from him He says that a mighty one who will save. Well, there, were, there was saving that needed to be done. For the people of God, certainly, they were in captivity by foreign nations. But for us, we find ourselves in a similar place. We are in captivity by an enemy. You see, the reason that things look like they're broken around us and everything doesn't always make sense is because it is. Sin has entered our world Sin is anything that falls short of the glory and perfection of God. It's anything that doesn't keep his law and his commands, his decrees perfectly. And so because of that, we have, that's where that relationship, that chasm has resulted. Again, we know this in a inner, interpersonal, the, the relationships that we experience. Well, that relationship with God was broken and the choices that we made and the things that we did in our very nature, we are born into sin, yet he wanted to save says that the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He came to defeat the enemy, to defeat death, to defeat sin itself. How did he do that? Well, we said earlier that none of this would have been possible if Christ was not born. Well, he had to live the life that you and I couldn't. He was born as a baby and he lived perfectly according to the law. In every respect, he kept every one of the commands, every one of the expectations that God had. We've said before, could you imagine living in the home with Jesus? He had brothers, he had sisters, kids. Could you imagine if one of your siblings was always perfect and never in trouble? That's exactly how Jesus was. Not just growing up, but through his whole life, he was spotless, sinless, living in perfection, well, he did this so that he could be the perfect sacrifice that we all needed. 
Scripture says that for the wages of sin is death. The sin that you and I have committed was worthy of a penalty, a punishment. Somebody needed to pay. And that's where God stepped in. He sent his son to take on our punishment, our sin. And so at Christmas, we don't just celebrate the fact that there's this kind of quaint story that we all have kind of come to know and love. We rejoice in the fact that our Savior, Jesus, Emmanuel, was born a baby to live a life so that he could die a death on our behalf. It was his death which pays for our sin. It was his perfection which is counted to us as righteousness. This is the hope that we have in Christ at Christmas. And that's why the last part, he's able to say, he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Uh, I'm assuming that maybe it has, but has anyone ever kind of thought wrongly about you? Maybe there was a misunderstanding or maybe there was just a plain mischaracterization. This happened to me recently and it's frustrating Right? When somebody assumes something about you or believes something about you that just isn't true. And I remember feeling this feeling of, man, it's, it's just the furthest thing from the truth. How can I get that story fixed? Right? There's everything within me. It's like, how do I correct it? How do I, how do I set the story straight? And then quickly my attention turned to God and it's like, man, we do that to him all the time. You see, I think there's a prevailing thought about God and who he is, and there's this picture of this kind of judge or, or sort of this grumpy guy in the sky with a beard that's sort of wagging his finger, frowning a lot, sort of stamping his feet in impatience and, and just kind of waiting for us to mess up. And that's been the, the, the sense that I get as I talk to people who don't know God. If, if he's real, then, then that's kind of the picture that, that I have is, is him of this righteous judge waiting for me to mess up. And that couldn't be further from the truth. You see, the picture that scripture shows us is one of a loving father. As a dad with his kids, he cares for us. That's why he sent his only son so that he could reconcile to himself us that's how he's able to rejoice over us with gladness. That's how he's able to quiet us by its love. Do you know that God sings? It talks about God singing several times in scripture. This is one of them. He says, he exalts over you with loud singing. Because of the work that Christ can do in our lives, he is so incredibly in love with you that he exalts over you with loud singing. This is the picture that scripture presents. This is the picture that we need to see and be reminded of at Christmas. And so our only response is this. It's one of confession of our need for him, an acknowledgement of our shortcoming. It says with, one, with, one, with the mouth, one confesses, but with the heart, one believes and is saved. So my question is, have you receive the gift that Christ gives you at Christmas. He's done this for all of us. He's invited all of us into this relationship. This is why Jesus came. 
And listen, I don't know why you came here tonight. If someone kind of dragged you, it's Christmas Eve or something like that. I know some of you every year, you know, maybe you just have to be here. But it's cold out there, right? You got into the car, you came here. And I believe this. I believe that there is nothing more important, nothing more pressing, nothing more life-altering than for you to know the fact that your creator is a father who loves his kids. He created you, he knows you, he formed you, and he loves you. And he desires that you would know him and respond to his gift of life for you. And so I wonder, would you receive it this Christmas? Would you believe that he is who he says he is? Would you believe that he's done what he has done? Would you receive the gift that he has purchased on your behalf? That is why it is good news for Christmas. In light of that, let me read to you the story that we know so well, recorded for us in Luke chapter two. Listen to these words, the account of that day. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time, gave, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in their field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the angels went away from them into heaven and the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. What they witnessed that night, the reason for their praising, their rejoicing, their glorifying, and their telling of others was that they had seen God come near. Could you imagine being present that night, seeing that little baby and thinking, this is the eternal God? We talk about traveling at Christmas. That was quite the journey, right? From the cosmic powers over all things to take on the form of a baby, helpless, being held in the hands and the arms of a teenager. I mean, imagine as all of heaven is like, oh, don't be careful, careful. You're like, that's God you got there in your arms, right? It was such an incredible scene. Why? Why did God make the journey? 
He drew near to us so that he could save those whom he loved and he could restore the relationship that was broken so that he could be near his children to bring them to himself. And he is inviting you this Christmas. This is the invitation that Christ brings. This is why he drew near. Let me pray for us. Our God, we thank you. We thank you for your divine, unexplainable love for us. God, you did what we were unable to do. Jesus, you lived the life that we were not able to live. God, you sent your son to be a sacrifice, to take our place on that cross. Lord, all the things that you sought to do, you accomplished in your son, Jesus. And so, Lord, we respond to that. God, we confess our need for you. We confess our shortcomings. God, our failure to love as you have loved. God, our our failure to live righteously as we were designed to. And God, we acknowledge our need for you as our savior. Lord, would you be exalted in our hearts? God, we confess you as Lord here tonight. Lord, we believe that you accomplished all that was necessary for salvation. Lord, leaving nothing undone. God, we respond merely with faith by believing in your accomplished work. God, we thank you so much for who you are and what you have done. God, we love you and we worship you as Savior. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.